Hey friends and froze. Welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today we have Art Book Club. On the book club, we're talking about Takedown by Farah Nieri, which is a book about art and censorship. Join me and my friend Visual Nomad as we chat about art, censorship, how it's affected us personally in our practices, and what we think about the newest forms of purism on social media. I'm checking that we're recording. We're good. Okay, we're recording. All right, so friends and foes, welcome to Art Book Club. I'm so glad you're here. Nomad, thanks for joining me. How are you two today? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I've actually been binging this book today, so it's it's turned out really good. It's been interesting. Hi, Key. I finished the book about 15 minutes ago, so <laughs> we're doing good. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> my little like Libby app was like, you have an hour and a half left. And I was like, oh no, that's, that's, I can't finish the book in an hour and a half. I've got 20 minutes before the stream starts. And then I remembered that it has like a copious amounts of like, uh, you right. know, citations at the end and author's notes and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. We're fine. We're good. Yeah, Anyways. Like a hundred pages worth. Yes. Yeah. Like a, a quarter of the book. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, we read Takedown by Farah Nayari, and this is a book about art and censorship, and it was really good. I feel like when I read this book, I was back in my college class, like in like an mm. art history class. I was like, this feels like going to art school, but it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this book was really interesting. It had... So when I when I bought the book, when I first picked it up and it was like, this might be a contender for Art Book Club, I was thinking that this would be more of a book about like social media. And mm -hmm. it, it does go into it. Right. It goes it talks about Me Too, it talks about all the kind of like pendulum swing of what happened after George George Floyd's death um in the art world, and it does talk about that, but I thought it would go more into like um like purity. That's kind of like mm. been a theme and a vibe on social media and kind of the more the morality that happens a lot of like citizen censorship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. Things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but instead it was more like, here's a history kind of abbreviated, but here's a history of like pretty at the last, I don't know, a hundred years, but more so the last 30 years of how people's artwork has been censored after, you know, religion isn't super in power, after, you know, the kings and the queens of the world aren't saying, please make this, but nothing else. And that's, that's a general summary of the book so far. It's, it's, I really liked it. Did you like it? I did. The one thing that I liked about it is it was just released. So it's literally like up to the day yeah accurate like they talk about things in 2022 because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes these books you know you catch them 10 years out and yeah. you're like okay well a lot of that like that landscape has shifted and so you're like okay so how how do i adjust my interpretation of this book in mm -hmm. light of that and you don't really need to do that at this moment with this book um i i definitely think that this book will age very, very differently mm -hmm. over time, especially in light of what's been going on recently. Um, yeah, I mean, they touch on the, the gallery system and, and their, um, 
their place in the history of art and how they've affected the taste of art and um, and how they've affected culture and societies as a whole. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, what they've deemed as quote unquote beautiful is what people accept as, you know, writ. And it's like, is that the truth? And where is that opinion coming from? You know? Um, so yeah, it's very, um, because some of the stuff I had read a little bit about, mm-hmm. especially like the stuff around um, Willa F. Klimt, and um, didn't know much about uh, like the whole thing with Kalo and uh, Frida Kalo and her ex her solo exhibition and how important that was, and then right. kind of the aftermath of that. Um, I knew a little bit about Lee Krasner and that she was extremely underrated in her. Um, because she was, you know, Pollock's partner and they focused mm-hmm. so much on him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it, it makes you question a lot of, I, I mean, as a, a white woman, mm-hmm. it makes me question a lot what I do as an artist, um, I mean, the part where they get into uh, the pieces that were done back in 2017 um, as part of the Biennale. Yeah. And you go, you know, there's a, the piece that related to Native American culture mm-hmm. or indigenous people. And, um, and then a piece about Emmett Teal, which, of course, touches on the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. And the creators of both of those pieces and the effect it had on them, what their initial intent was and how as a community, those pieces were received vastly differently than what they were intended for, you know? And it's like our intents may be good, but that may still not be our place to speak, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's a tough one. Again, it comes down to self-censorship. Yeah, we can go back to, you know, be where the wild things are and say, you know, anything goes as an artist and it's our job to push boundaries and blah, blah, blah. But what is our, our social responsibility if we believe that people are listening to us and paying attention to what we're saying? What is our responsibility and our due diligence that we need to do as artists in that process. Yeah. You know, would you say that you have things that are, you know, even if you were capable of creating them, that would be off limits for yourself to make? Uh, absolutely. And I think Mm. this has been, it's been a recent thing, honestly, within the last probably three months or so. Mm -hmm. Um, cultural appropriation has been something that I've struggled massively with recently. Really? Um, Yes. Um, Because of, I mean, (laughs) my love of hip hop culture and Mm -hmm. of that community and 
and my association personally with people of color Mm -hmm. and what they mean to me there, you know, there was a moment where I was like, is that my place to be able to say those things or to take that stance or am I just grabbing a hold of that and using that to gain attention? Like, what is my intent behind it? Right. For your own and benefit. If my, again. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, even if my intentions are good, does that still mean it's the right thing to do? You know, and is it my place? So I think that's been the, the biggest thing that I've struggled with lately is just cultural appropriation. Cause those are things that are, woven into my life and they're authentic to me but at the same time it's like how much of that was appropriated and how much of that is a mirror to myself of hey what do I need to work through right yeah it's interesting this book does talk about how even when people make artwork that is quote-unquote problematic um even if they make it with the intention of like educating even when they make it with the intention of you know, uh, sharing not for personal benefit, but for like creating awareness, things like that. Um, they still face sometimes detrimental backlash when it comes to their reputations, when it comes to, um, the piece itself, sometimes the artwork that, um, that she talked about in the books was actually destroyed. Um, and sometimes it wasn't, yeah. but it was hidden away, which is basically the same as destroying in my, in my brain. I'm like, if it just right. gets metaphorically buried um yeah this book is this book is a lot Cassidy says I need to read this book and you do so Cassidy's an artist who mm-hmm. does a lot of nude figures and I think you'd be a really interesting person to talk to about this book um mm-hmm. because of you know censorship with, with nudity and how that <laughs> affects your you know your business and trying to sell artwork in a in a world where you know showing a female nipple doesn't like like you don't get shown <laughs> anywhere <laughs> you get you get censored i have a friend who she i went to school with her so a classmate and she does a lot of erotic art and i think she had her instagram account deleted uh three times mm. just just gone yeah. yeah and it's it's constant it's constant it's a huge frustration cassidy says yeah i bet i bet um yeah this this... that would be interesting to have ty on here i know i tried to get her but she's like it's summer and i have children and i'm like all right that's fair (laughs) she's like no (laughs) it's like okay okay i know um she has this new account called uh ty's tatas it's on it's on instagram and it's gorgeous it's just her more explicit art but it's it's very fun but again you don't see it very often because Instagram censors it. It's it's a lot. Right. Um, but this book talks less about Instagram's censorship and it talks mm-hmm. more about um, people self-censoring and also mm-hmm. uh, religious censoring is a huge topic in this book. I think it like two or three chapters are devoted to it. And yeah, I feel like I'm very glad to be in a world where my only patrons are not just a church the Christian church more specifically, or I guess the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause, um, wow. Did no art get made that was outside of just iconography. And even then, before then she talked about how some people were mad that people were making paintings of 
um, Jesus and Mary and other Catholic religious right. figures. Um, and then it like total, total 180 and it was like, no, we have to make lots of these, but only specific kinds. <laughs> and, oh, what a mess. Yeah, like, I, I think it's, you know, it's interesting because they do, they talk about, you know, kind of those ebbs and flows in censorship mm -hmm. and what that looked like throughout several different periods, starting from like, what, 1800 years before mm -hmm. Christ, something like that. Yeah. So we're talking like cave paintings, starting from cave paintings on and um, just that back and forth, like you said, of first it was what they considered an indecent piece you know if it was showed nudity or anything like that or what they considered to be vulgar and then it switched to you know they tried to squelch that but in the midst of that religious fervor <laughs> they walked into the churches and said you know no you like you said you can't make a, a painting of Jesus you can't make a painting of any of the disciples or any of them and they defaced several hundred you know church pieces that were so you know icons or altar pieces or that kind of thing so yeah um, it just yeah it's just amazing to me and even up to like you know, so talking about Frida Kahlo, she finally got a, a solo exhibit, which was massive. Not only was she female, but a, a female person of color. Right. And she finally got a solo show and everybody was like up in arms about, you know, this is a great show, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, six to nine months after that show happens, it just the attention wanes and you go yeah. well, what happened i mean kala was very feminist oriented i believe and i mean you have um georgia o'keefe around the similar time yeah um that is definitely a feminist you mm -hmm. know for sure um not in word but definitely indeed is just as a human being that's who she was and f for them to not be able to break through, I mean, I've seen how spicy, you know, yeah. um, Georgia O'Keefe was in her older age. Like, she's super spicy. Like, she doesn't mm -hmm. mince any words. Um, but then you come into the 90s, early 90s, mm -hmm. with Tracy Emin and Jenny Savile. These are two... They're feminists, but they have a very different voice from each other. Yeah. Tracy Emin is slogged off as the alcoholic party girl. She showed up to a, a Channel 4 interview, wasted off of her face, but spoke so much truth in the midst of that, that they couldn't handle it. And she literally just got up and walked off the set. Yeah. This is somebody that uh, she was for all intents and purposes at the beginning of her blue chip career. Mm -hmm. um, she was in her late twenties at that point, I believe twenties, early thirties. Um, and I mean, she made no bones. Like this is a woman that made a tent that had the names of every person she ever slept with stitched into it. That's and amazing. that was an exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's, she's talked openly about her, uh, 
her miscarriages and that kind of thing. And, and she's been looked horribly at because of that. And it's like, she's a very different person. Now she had cancer during COVID. Did she? Um, and Whoa. she's, yeah, yeah, she, <laughs> so she has a genetic de a disposition to mm -hmm. a certain kind of cancer. I think it's, I don't know if it's colon cancer, but I think it's with her stomach of some sort or something like that. Um, and her mother passed away from it, but they found out that she had it during COVID wow. and she's just now, um, recovering and she's been doing some interviews lately and stuff, but just to hear her viewpoint from the time that she was, you know, in her late twenties till now, she's a vastly different human being. Yeah. And she'll tell you that she's like, I've learned I'm just as human as anybody else on this planet. I just wasn't as afraid to show it. I just stuck it all out there because I couldn't hide it. There wasn't anything I could do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you have people like Jenny Savile who draw these or paint these self portraits that are considered grotesque, but they're absolutely beautiful. Like mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody say that Jenny Savile's work is ugly. Right. She, <laughs> she is a phenomenal talent and these are two people that have the ear of the art world but even they back then couldn't swing that conversation back around to where are women in art like yeah they've con they've continued to struggle with that i mean louise bourgeois is a was a close confidant of tracy emin until her death mm -hmm. and bourgeois is one of the first females to ever have an exhibit solo exhibit in MoMA history and they could not get a voice these are three of the preeminent most female artists in our time and they couldn't get a voice right and that's just it's frustrating that's astounding to me that we're still 2022 we're still having these conversations even with these people still in the running, we're still having these conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cassidy says, Jenny is one of my favorites. And she also said, mm -hmm. I feel it is the token experience or just a checkbox to show the art world being inclusive. And I feel like that was a, a major point with this book mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it, many times in history where, you know, something would come forward and the big museums and galleries and fine art world would rush forward trying to find the artist to fill it in like they did after or during the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm -hmm. And they put in these, you know, wonderful young artists in and then they didn't buy their work or put them in the permanent collections or they would like have a month long show and then like never hear from them ever again. And that's that happened mm -hmm. with a lot of women artists that's still happening mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting and annoying <laughs> um right yeah that's it's a lot and you know it's interesting because the last show that i went to in new york city mm -hmm. was a a very small retrospective at the guggenheim of uh jean-michel basquiat but they had him on the fifth floor. He had his own area, but it's like, why wasn't that on the first floor? 
there is a massive space on the first floor right that's open that you walk up to that that they use kind of as a a lot of times at least when i've seen it it's been more of like a mix match collective of several different artists Mm -hmm. to kind of give you a flavor of the whole gallery yeah but in that respect it's like this is basquiat like it's important that we show his work like Mm -hmm. whether you love it or hate it Jean-Michel is a very influential person in our understanding, especially now of, of the black experience in the United States. And as an artist, as a high level artist, you know, and it's just like, I I look at that situation and I go, how far have we really come? You know, I know MoMA has changed. Um, They were just, they were almost done with the rebuilding of the um, the expansion when I left. Right, right. It opened up a few months after I left, and I'm like, you know, I've I've heard some of the the changes that they've made, and that was one of the things that I noted in the book was um, the rehang. How, yeah, like the rehang. How has the situation with with Ringgold being hung? adjacent to Picasso, Ringgold's piece is about um, race riots Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing that are going on. It very much mimics Guernica, which was an influence. And then, like, how has that reshaped the landscape of how people are putting together and curating situations? Um... I know uh, Kennedy Yanko just did a, a very similar situation, but on a larger um, scale with uh, Wilma F. Klimt. Mm-hmm. Now, Yanko is a sculptural artist. Klimt is a painter and works with paper and that kind of mixed media kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and Klimt is widely known as the founder of abstract art. Um, And it's not spoken a lot about, but anybody worth their salt knows that she really was the one that brought it about. Right. And so it's, it's how are we creating these conversations of juxtaposing those older pieces with newer stuff of like, this is how this has progressed in time. And you can see it visually. You can see where things have changed and how far they've come. And I I mean, that's one way that I've seen that happen. I don't know if you've been to any shows recently that were kind of like that at all. I, I, I'm trying to think of specific ones, but the, the art scene in Seattle is a little, performative sometimes (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i yeah it's it's interesting um cassidy in the book so she just said i don't know the exact numbers but out of the thousands brought into museums only 120 maybe were women of color in this book and take down um farah goes through many statistics about Mm -hmm. um women people of color and then even smaller minority when 
more um, niche minorities. And it's alarming and it's a lot. <laughs> and um, it's, it's also a lot better than it used to be, but we have a long way to go. We're, we're just playing catch up. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's the, uh, basically the, the moral of the book <laughs> is that mm-hmm. there's still a lot of work to do. Um, oh, Day Day is a filmmaker. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I read, I read the article on that mm-hmm. cast uh, that came out in, was it Art News or whatever? Um, <laughs> so <yeah>. much. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, that also brings, okay. So the next topic, which is, um, you know, for, I guess as a a younger artist, I always thought that the history behind the person who made the art shouldn't matter in comparison to Mm -hmm. the artist. Um, but then I became an adult (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I think the history of someone of the artist matters almost equally to the art piece itself. Okay. I I feel like I can't I can no longer separate the morality of a person versus their artwork. If I see something that looks really good, but I hear that this person has done, you know, terrible things, and even that see mm-hmm. this is where it gets tricky because it's like but are, mm-hmm. but are those tr- terrible things true? <laughs> mm-hmm. And who am I to judge? Yeah. But also, but like mm-hmm. I I don't stop thinking about it and I consider it when I'm looking at a new artist. Um, it's complicated. It's complicated. When we, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, they touch on the whole sexist, misogynist Mm -hmm. undertone that has been pushed throughout time, um, and several cultures, uh, with work, and I mean, of course, they land on Gogon. Oh my gosh. And in brief, <laughs> Gogon is a pedophile. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of celebrates it in his work, and that's what's more disgusting than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've seen plenty of Gogon's work, and I'm not saying that it's not beautiful, but when you look at it and at its deeper meaning and what is really going on there. When you, it makes you go, mm, I don't know if I want to be in the same room with this. Right. You know? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw one of his paintings and I was like, this is okay. Um, it wasn't like my favorite color palettes or whatever. But then I learned about him and I I could not, again, it was like the catalyst. I, like, I could not stop thinking about it. And in this book, Gogon is the major example of uh, a person's yeah. own morality versus their artwork. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew. Yeah, it's and they uh, pull Picasso in too with like yeah, you know, just like the models. Like, what's the story behind the models? We never hear that story. Like, why do you have your 13-year-old neighbor half naked spread in front of you and you painting them? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where where is that? Like, and of course we've come to the point which we should rightly so be like, mm, children depicted in that way is is no bueno like never is it okay you know yeah um it's and so yeah it's interesting um mm-hmm. so i was looking up farinari and in her other mm-hmm. media forms and she has a podcast which is interesting um it's called culture blast 
And I started listening to one of the episodes that she has with um, Ai Weiwei, but I, I didn't get very far into it, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it quite yet. But she's has many like she's on many YouTube channels. She's on she's done a lot of interviews. If you're interested in hearing just directly from her, um, but she she does talk about how um, the idea of the the portrayed child is really delicate, mm-hmm. and you know what one person's you know like a parent taking a photo of their kid in the bathtub because that's what they do (laughs) is different Mm -hmm. than um you know a a renowned painter painting a child sexually (laughs) and like that that puts that but that perspective of like where is the line between the sexuality of it of you know the a kid just laying down versus you know a kid being made to look sexual it's right it's a lot um Right. Yeah, it's it's delicate. And then, like, how do you train that that moral barometer? Is another thing to think about. That's I've been kind of thinking about that as I've read the book, and I don't know if I have an answer to that yet. But it's um, what you surround yourself with. It's mm, yeah. It's all sorts of things. Yeah, it's how, your culture. It's it's interesting. Um, Castie says something interesting here. She's like, uh, I think as a human, we cannot remove our own ideals and perspectives from what we think or display. Our art will always be created through the filter of our own perspective. That's really true. Art is best viewed as a lens of psychological insight of the time and life of the artist and the situation slash uh, the patrons. We filter the image through our own values and ideas. That's very succinct. <laughs> very nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah I yeah you should read this book this book is interesting it's it's gonna mm-hmm. give you your mind things to chew on um, yeah what, do you have any like quotes you wanted to read mm-hmm. I have a couple so I'll, I'll, I'll go forth okay um So this is a quote by Julian Bell and it's referenced in this book. It's, it says the first words in Western culture concerning man-made images can categorically warn us against them. And that talks about the very first images being made of religious figures and how you like one of the 10 commandments is not to make an image of God. (laughs) It's like the second one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that was an interesting one. I'm like, okay, gotta gotta think about that for ten thousand years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Art is always a dialogue and never a monologue. It lives or dies depending on how mm. much or how little it is looked at. The interaction with the viewer is critical of ex- its existence. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's early on in the book on page twenty six. It's interesting. It's like, okay, yeah. How do you look at the art? And that's who's looking at the art makes the art, I guess. Well, yeah, and it's like what gets what gets spun up. You mm-hmm. know, they they get into that further in the book of like, you know, pieces that you know you never would have thought would have gotten the attention that they did. All of a sudden, especially now with social media just get spun out of control Mm -hmm. like with the two pieces that they talk about 
from 2017. Like, that's exactly what happened. Somebody, you know, did a whole Facebook protest and it got spun up and, you know, things got crazy. And, and that's had a lasting repercussion more so than I think the piece has, you know, honestly. So, yeah. Uh, one quote that I have is, generation after generation, rulers and leaders have sought to control and curtail the production and exhibition of art by resorting to top-down censorship. Mm -hmm. Art is, after all, the perfect scapegoat. A visible, tangible enemy that they can point to as a source of evil and equate with artifice, extravagance, and sin. As ever in politics, it's easier to condemn than it is to commend. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. There's so many good quotes. No. <laughs> it's, it, it really is a fantastic book. Um, in this book, she references a lot of other books that are really ones I intend to pick up. And I actually, I picked up one book that was um, it's titled, uh, Where Are the Great um, Women Artists? Um, I think that's the title or something like that. Anyways, I picked it up from the bookstore when I was in Powell's a couple days ago. Mm. And that, that was, I, I can't wait to read it. It's like a short essay, but it's interesting. But another book, which is called uh, Generation Offense, <laughs> um, it's a 2020 book, has a quote by um, Caroline Faust. Faust? I don't know how to say your last name. I'm sorry. Um, the quote goes, the new generation only thinks about censoring what vexes or offends them. We live in a furiously paradoxical world where the freedom to hate has never been so out of control on social media, and where the freedom to speak and to think has never been so surveilled in real life. And I want to read that yeah. book. <laughs> That's what I thought this book was going to be about, um, and I'm not mad that it wasn't, but also I'm like, this. I feel like I run into this all the time. Not with my own artwork, but just I just see it all the time. Um, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's that push pull. And like, you know, I think that, you know, from what I've read, she like, she gets into that. She doesn't shy away from getting into that topic in this book mm -hmm. of this isn't cut and dry. Mm -hmm. It's not, Oh, this is what we need to do X, Y, Z. It's that, where is that line? Like, when are we supposed to step in? When are we not supposed to step in? Um, have things changed or is this just another cash grab? Right. You know, um, because ultimately that's what it comes down to is follow the money. You know, if you're really honest with yourself and that's a tough one, you know? Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I was just scrolling through and just seeing the, the fact that, Casually having an airplane. Gallery. Um, uh, Artemisia Genileski. Mm -hmm. um, she is the daughter of a famous painter. And it took them 196 years to show her painting. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. That was nuts. What? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's called the self- it's a self-portrait as St. Catherine of mm -hmm. Alexandria. That painting is and in Florence, I think. I, I feel like I saw that. Yeah. I yeah. 
It's in the National Gallery. Hmm. Or it was. I don't know if it's you studied still her? there or not. <laughs> Cassie's like, that's my girl. <laughs> I uh. remember going to some museums when I was in Italy last a couple months ago and being like, who is this painter? And I just like kept writing her mm. name down over and over my list until she was on there like five times. And I'm like, have I never heard of this painter? <laughs> you know? It'd be like but that. Yeah, she just like, she, uh, the National Gallery had had this painting for so long. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why? It's not a vulgar painting by any stretch, but it was found offensive because she was depicting a saint. Yeah. And so they were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and kind of wrote her off. And now they're having to backtrack and walk that back and, and, you know, let people know more about her. And again, it goes back to, you know, family members, partners mm -hmm. of people that are famous, that are phenomenally talented. I mean, Janileski was taught by her father. She ran his atelier at one point. Amazing. Know? That's so cool. And <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, it's nuts to mm -hmm. think that it's, it's been this way for so long. It does not make sense. Like why is Mary Cassatt and Frida Kahlo, like, why are they the only two people that we normally hear about in art history? Why and also, are there not more people? How did, Georgia, okay. like and, and also how did how did Mary Cassatt get, get known like what did she do to get known mm -hmm. because <laughs> it must have been quite a bit um have you right. ever read the book uh Ninth Street Women I have not it's on my list it's pretty good um we talked about um Joan Mitchell and um we talked about uh Oh, oh no, this is terrible. Um, uh, Pollock's partner. What's her name? Uh, it's escaping me. Was that Joan? No, that wasn't. Anyways. Um, who's, par who's partner? Uh, P Pollock's partner. Oh, um, Lee Krasner. Lee Krasner, thank you. I'm sorry, Lee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I forgot about you. <laughs> God, just... Anyways, um... It goes through her story quite in depth, and it's um, basically mm. of these five women who were living on Ninth Street in New York, and they were all artists, and they were all, you know, famous, but also pretty underwhelmed. So that's that's interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, how would you rate this book out of five stars? Oh, the, this is a five. This is a definite. You, this is a must read. I think for anybody involved in the art world because it covers so many tangents it's not mm -hmm. i mean i know that we've talked about women a lot in this conversation but it covers everybody yeah it covers indigenous people it covers people of color it you know the whole gamut and and how <laughs> short of everybody but a white man how the system has been shaped to head the other direction for better or worse you know so mm -hmm. uh, it's good I would also highly recommend this book I think it would be interesting if you 
we're reading several art books in a row, reading Takedown and then reading um, How to See next to it, which mm. is like directly from inside of the art world. Um, right. It's, it's It would be very fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I gave this book a four. Um, yeah. I, I might turn it into a five at some point. It's like a four and a half. Like, it's really, really good. I would highly <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Any last thoughts before I share the next book? Mm -hmm. Uh, just, um, support shows that um, that really push this new method of uh, showing work, you know, people that you wouldn't think juxtaposed next to another artist that is massively famous that sells millions of dollars worth mm -hmm. of art a year. Like, they're not going to continue to do that if they don't see the talking with our money. Like, yeah. If we're going to back these people, we need to back these people financially and with physically being in their shows, you mm -hmm. know? Um, uh, yeah. If you get the opportunity anywhere near you support as much as you can, you know, go see artists you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't just mm -hmm. go to the big, the big fancy old shows. <laughs> right, 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 right. Go to the little underground your ones. Local art centers, like your local art centers and that kind of stuff that, that mm -hmm. really, push your local artists that you can check out and get to know better. Yeah, absolutely. There is two art fairs coming up in the Washington area. There is the one, the Bellevue art fair, which is a historical art fair in Bellevue where they have like art prizes and things like that. It'll be very interesting to go to this art fair with what I've just been reading about and noticing. <laughs> what am I noticing? Mm. Who's around? But also the Seattle art fair is coming uh, in two weeks, I believe. Um, and it is basically an international gallery show, um, with mm. a predominant, mm -hmm. um, Seattle focus just because they're, it's local. Um, mm -hmm. and that will also be interesting to visit. <laughs> Who are they showing? What kinds of people are they showing? I think it's gonna be very different than when they last had it three years ago, but we'll see. We'll see what it's like. Alrighty. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about it. Um, Okay, so we've read Takedown this month, and the next book we are reading is called, uh, turn that up, it's called Show Your Work. This is a short and sweet book, because we only have three <laughs> weeks to read this one. It is, uh, <laughs> it's this big, it's so little, <laughs> and this is a book about getting you to show more of your art on the internet. Mm. It's a mm -hmm. good book. I've read it once before, but I'm like, it's been four or five years since then and I could use another go so if you want to read this book with us it's very fun it's easy it's little and it looks really good on your shelf so we'll be meeting next on August 14th I think um the second Sundays okay. yeah that was Ooh. good that was good um Nomad thanks for hanging out I y'all if you haven't seen Nomad's work I'm gonna pull it up right now it looks like that it's very cool I have a print of these oranges and they're so delicious <laughs> <laughs> they're on my wall it's very fun um you can find visual nomad at visual nomad here on twitch but also on the gram and you can find me and brushwork podcast at stephaniescott.art on instagram or here on twitch a couple days a week yeah thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of brushwork 
Thank you again to Visual Nomad for joining me and chatting with me during the book club. If you are interested in watching a live version of Art Book Club, it's every second Sunday on Twitch. My username there is at Cheers Steph, and we talk about new books every single month. This month we are reading Show Your Work by Austin Kleon, and it's great. It's 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 on that side. It's Ta-da! It's right there. <laughs> um, it's so good. Um, if you want to check out Visual Nomad's work, I'll have her work linked in the show notes. But here is a picture of her like really pretty citrus paint art. Look at these oranges. Aren't they cool? I've got a print of these on my walls and they're divine and delicious. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you tune into the next episode. And until then, make good choices, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>